to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll probably go back into Ephesians before this message is over and try to finish up the message that I started on Wednesday night and then started again this morning and got detoured. And uh, anyhow, it don't really matter. We're just preaching the Word of God anyhow. It's all good. Amen. Somebody named me a, a portion of the Bible that's no good. Amen. Praise God. I want you to say it. If you know it, I'll preach to you all night. Because it's all good. And I thank God for it. I want to read tonight in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I read the uh, last part of that chapter this morning and preached off of it. But tonight I want to read the first portion of it. No, read, no reason to read any more than the first portion of the first seven verses. Because I am sure I'll not get past that. I might, but we don't know right now. So if you will, let's stand. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3... We want to read in verse number 1. Paul is saying to the church, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a, a good work. And as I go down through there, you can, if you don't have it already marked in your Bible, I've taught this so many times that surely you've got it marked. This chapter tells us that he calls men, not women, to the ministry. Now there'd be some Jezebel, I guess, argue with that. But it said in that verse, that first verse, this is a true saying, if a man, uh, I don't know what you've known down through years, but everything I thought about and looked that up, that's a, somebody that is of the masculine gender. That's what a man is. And it said, desireth the office of bishop, he, 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 not she, he, desireth the good work. Amen. Verse 2 said, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband, husband, husband. Uh, last time I worked and checked on that, that was a man. Right. Right. Amen. Of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his, not her, own house having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man, see that, know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, 
lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And we'll stop there. You can be seated and we'll pray. Father, tonight as we bow in your presence, we thank you for the opportunity we have to call upon your name. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. It's so real, so straight. Lord, uh, I'm glad tonight it, it don't deviate. It, it don't uh, just, we don't have to read between the lines. It's plain. We can understand it. Lord, I realize people said it's an archaic book and they can't comprehend it. But Lord, we know the author of it. And the author has taught us what he knows and he knows it all. And Father, thank you tonight that we have the Spirit of God that can reveal to us what you want us to hear. So I pray you'd touch our hearts and help us now to stand in the gap, make up the hedge, and say what we need to say tonight, no more and no less, and we'll give you the praise for it. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now I want to preach on, and I, I got started on Wednesday night, and I want to incorporate that with this tonight and I know I'm biting off more than I can chew I know I'm going to be in something that I'm not going to finish but I figure the only time I'm going to finish my preaching is when I draw my life's breath I'm not going to be through with it but I'm going to finish it'll be over amen Now, if you don't want me to preach much more, you'll have to pray that I get out of here. Amen. I'm not planning on resigning, not planning on leaving, so you'll have to pray that I die. Paul said, that's far better. Amen. On the other side. So I want to look in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 11. I think I used a verse or two before that on Wednesday night, but amen. What I said this morning is coming more alive to me than it's ever been. I'm going to start preaching to when people ain't here. I'm going to start preaching what I preached a previous service. Amen. Until everybody gets here and hears it all. Amen. And then three months from now they won't have to say, I ain't never heard that. I'm going to preach it enough that you'll hear it. Amen. He said in verse 11... And he gave some apostles. This is Paul speaking the church at Ephesus to the Ephesian believers. And some prophets. And some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers. I'm not going to go into the thought I did on Wednesday night of the prophets and uh, the apostles. We don't have them now. That's over. We have a complete Bible tonight. And there's no need for apostles. And I don't know anybody that has seen Christ personally. So they wouldn't qualify. And uh, prophets, they're gone. Because the word of God is complete. But we do have what we find in the Bible, evangelists. And we have some that are pastors and teachers. You remember I mentioned on Wednesday night that the word evangelist or evangelist. There's two times, uh, one time for one of them and two for the other. 
And evangelist is only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. But we know what an evangelist is. Evangelist is one who goes out into all parts of the country and preaches. Brother Burl, I guarantee you, you remember this back on when we were young. Pastors would get evangelists to come in and preach. And for a whole week, basically, that evangelist would preach to the lost. He would preach his heart out, sweat himself to death, and at the end of it, give an invitation, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, or even more, would come down the aisle and get saved. That's what the evangelist did. And he was very faithful to that, and God blessed him. Then we had pastors and teachers. I said every pastor needs to be a teacher. Every teacher needs, uh, uh, you know, not every teacher may not preach, but he needs to be involved in the Word of God. But every pastor needs not only to preach, but to teach. Now it seems in the last couple hundred years, they come up with what we call uh, Sunday school and Bible study and Bible thing, but it used to be preaching. Either the pastor preached or the evangelist preached. Then it turned. You remember how it turned? Pastors quit preaching. They calmed down, cooled down, and uh, they weren't on fire anymore. And so uh, they needed somebody to teach, and the evangelists began to phase into another little area. And they would come into the churches and Bust the hide of the people in the church. Skin them alive. Because the pastor didn't have the guts to preach what thus saith the Lord. And he would get him evangelists to come in there because he could uh, smile about it and blame the evangelist. I haven't been that way. Amen. I preach. I wouldn't want an evangelist to come in here and preach something I hadn't already mentioned in some area or another. Amen. And then uh, you look at this, and I'm sharing this with you, and I'm going to get down to you. I'm going to share some things tonight. I want I wanted to finish on Wednesday night and couldn't. But we got what we also call missionaries. Somebody said, if you're in a missionary Baptist church, you're a stationary Baptist church. That's right. I believe in missions. I believe in supporting missionaries. I remember when missionaries would get up and go to foreign souls. I remember when they would go to foreign countries before we ever had what we call uh, deputation. Churches sent the, the, the man and his family. And they did that. But in our modern day, we have got in the business of this business of trying to get people out and they go out and candidate and try to draw support. I don't find Paul ever doing that. Now can I tell you tonight that Paul was a good pastor when he pastored? Can I tell you that Paul was a good evangelist when he was evangelizing? Can I tell you tonight that Paul was a good missionary when he was out missionarying? And any preacher ought to be able to evangelize a little bit, missionary a little bit, and pastor a little bit if he wanted to. Amen. You understand? I do have a problem with preachers trying to be pastors and evangelists at the same time. 
uh, I can understand that to a degree. I've done that. But when it's every week, it bothers me. You can't do justice to neither unless you're half time. <laughs> Amen. Now you may not like what I'm preaching. And I'm looking at you and you say, well, I, I have a different opinion. That's fine. I have no problem with you having a different opinion. But the word missionary is not mentioned one time in that King James Bible you hold in your hand. But was Paul a missionary? Yes. Was Paul an evangelist? Yes. Was Paul a pastor? Yes. He'd stay at place six months, sometimes a year, sometimes three years. We counted him a pastor. You understand this? Am I confusing you? I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not confusing you. So what's happened, we have changed things and got around to different things and uh, we've messed up things at the same time. Then in later years, and of course they had old brush arbor meetings and nothing wrong with brush arbor meetings. We need some more of them. Amen. Some of y'all so tender now, you eat up with some mosquitoes and it's too hot for you out there. We got... We're wimps. But the old timers, they sweat, they prayed, they sought out God, and they were had something on their mind more than getting out of the church. They had uh, something on their mind of winning some of their loved ones to the Lord. Amen. Everybody in this building's got family members tonight that's lost. And we're not paying the price that they did back yonder, agonizing and praying and seeking the face of God. We used to come to church and have somebody, we'd have, we'd have a lost list, we'd pray about it. And we'd pray for somebody that may be a mile down the road. And uh, we didn't go down, of course, it was good to talk to them, good to knock on their doors. We don't do much of that anymore. I can give you the reasons why. But I want to tell you this tonight. We used to pray, and on a revival night, when the evangelist was in town, he was preaching. Uh, sometime the old drunk down the road, the harlot down the street, they'd come to church, and the Holy Ghost would get a hold of the man of God, and he'd preach, and they'd get fearful of going to hell, and they'd run down the aisle and get saved. And they had nobody went out and got them, they come in. Amen. Am I telling the truth? Amen. Why? Because the Holy Ghost done it. And the Holy Ghost worked off the people that's in the church. But now we change that. I don't like, I mean, I don't go to too many camp meetings. I used to. They're good for you. Amen. And I believe that with all my heart. But we've changed, uh, our old time ways of worshiping and preaching. And having evangelists come in and preach the, with the power of God, we've changed that to camp meetings and fellowships and fellowship suppers. Amen. When I was growing up, when I was a teenager, we didn't have what we call today fellowship halls. We had what we called Homecoming shelters. And before that they didn't have that. But they would go, they'd go to church. You see, when the church started off good, what they did, they went to church and stayed to church all day long and had what they called dinner on the ground. 
They didn't come to get out and go home. They come to stay all day. I said, boy, that must have been rough on the young'uns. It's rough on the people too because they quit. Amen. But they'd go to church, wouldn't have church on night because they stayed at the house of God most all day. They had to leave early enough to get home with the wagons. Amen. Before it got dark. Got beat to death. Didn't have fine cars. Got beat to death in a horse and buggy. Wagon. Can you imagine going back to that tonight? You said, should we? Well, we ought to have the spirit that they had. They saw God. Now we've changed it. It's got to be camp meetings and fellowship meetings and fellowship suppers and fellowship parties and fellowship games. We're more interested in entertaining ourselves than we are getting in touch with God. I don't know about you, but I want more of God than I've ever had in my life. My days are getting shorter every day. And I tell you what, I want to stand in the gap, make up the hedge. What I'm preaching tonight is not popular. But I'll tell you, it's, it's what we need. We traded uh, times back. I remember when we was back sometime or another and that uh, we had people to go out fellowship. And not fellowship, but go out and visit. I pastored churches where we'd take 10, 15 young people on Saturdays and knock on doors and win people to the Lord. And our young people were clean and dedicated and consecrated. Pastored one church that the young people were cleaner than the, their mamas and daddies and their mamas and daddies got mad at me. Because they live cleaner. We take them to count meetings and things and get them in that and see things like that's over now. We don't have that. So we traded our visitation for the kind of socials and fellowships that we have. We traded soul winning. Amen. For all kinds of things. For socials. Let me just ask you a question. How many people have you witnessed to in the past week? Now some of you may say I have. Let me ask you, how many people have you won to God this year? How many have tried to win some to God this year? Amen. Now you better tell, you better be honest. Because if you're not honest with this, I'm going to be on you like a, a chicken on a June bug. You hear me? How many of you get up in the morning and say, God, open doors today. Give me an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord. I want to win them to God. I want them to get saved. I don't want them to go to hell. You see what I'm saying? We've lost all that. We've traded Bible studies where we come to the house of God and study the Word of God. we traded it in to Lemonade sipping societies. The women in the church in these days, they like to have, and I've been there, I, my wife and I went up, we've been up and down the country, I know what I'm talking about. They'd like to have those little ladies' meetings. And they have them. But you can't get them at the house of God anymore. They'd rather come to somebody's house because they can dress like they want to dress. 
and not have to dress like a child of God. Amen. You said, preacher, tell it like it is. Do you want me to lie and tell you that I just told a lie here? Do you want me to tell you tonight what I just said, retract it and don't accept it? I'm not going to. I'm telling you that's why. People will gear themselves to the house of God if they can dress any way they want to. Preachers too. There's pastors in this county and all around here that'll be in the pulpit tonight if they have church and they'll preach and tomorrow they'll go on their job in a pair of Bermuda shorts. Now don't, don't get mad at me. I'm only telling the truth. Women don't care how they dress. Hey, you name me a lady in the ministry today, and I'm not talking about a preacher. You name me a preacher's wife in this county that dresses like a lady and got long hair like she ought to have and dresses decent and, and, and I'm talking about modest. I know I hit a sour note. He got quiet. You see, I'm not in here playing. I want you to know this. I am not playing in this pulpit. I'm not up here to see how mean I can get. God is doing that for me. But I am giving you the message. We've come to the place, we've traded it all for different things. We've traded our prayer meetings. We used to come to prayer meeting and have prayer meeting before service. The men would pray in a place. The ladies would pray in a place. And now we just come hoboing in, talking about the weather and talking about everything else under the sun, everything we see. And we don't come to, my, to the house of God with God on our mind to see somebody saved, even our own family. Pastors have become mixers and socializers. Been pastoring 50-something years. I've never went to the beach with any church group. I've never mixed, bathed with any church group. I don't run with church people. You said you don't love them? No, I don't want them to know all about me. You said, why, you got things hid? No, I ain't got nothing hid. But there's a point, if I run with you every day, stay too close to you, guess what? I would become like anybody else and I'd be your friend and not be your pastor. Amen. Down through the years, I've learned not to use a mechanic in the church to work on my car. I've worked and learned in my my ministry that I wouldn't use a carpenter to do any work at my house. I wouldn't even hire me a trash man in the church to haul off my trash. Got something to hide? No, I ain't. I'm just at the place that I believe that I need to stay at the place where God has put me and my job is one thing and that's to preach the Word of God to you. Amen. I'm not to be a friend to you. Somebody said, I sure do like our young preacher. 
He loves everybody and He's a good mixer. Don't ever say that about me. I don't mix with you. I can't even get along with my brother sometimes on that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying tonight we need to get the place that we can find some men of God that will stay straight. What in the world would you think if you came over to the restaurant tomorrow and I'm in a pair of Bermuda shorts? You take a picture. Lord God, I'd run. You hear me? I'm serious. But I see that. I mean, if you're going to preach the Word of God, and I ain't got to that yet, but if you're going to preach the Word of God, qualify. We've changed our witness into men and women and passing out literature. Um, we've, we have traded that for entertaining and for singing. Did you know there's more people in this county that love singing than they are or loves preaching? You get a singing going, you'll get yourself a crowd. They like singing and, uh, you know, they like car washes and they like junk sales. They like ball games and selling donuts. And they have their cantatas and their concerts. I like donuts too, but we're not selling them. Not the church ain't selling them. You need all the donuts you want. Just go buy them and eat them. But we're not selling them out here to get the young people on the on the mission field. That all they're going to do is go down there. A fellow said, there's a lady in his church. One pastor said, uh, this lady was in the church and she was had the opportunity to go somewhere overseas and uh, they gave a lot of money to her. Pastor didn't do his homework, but he sent her over to the foreign field and she come back and he said, how was your trip? She said, oh, it was great. He said, how many souls did you see saved over the, uh, on your mission trip? She said, oh, no, preacher. It wasn't a missionary trip. I just went over for vacation. Now, I wouldn't do that unless I send in you one way. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Amen. We've traded our hymns for contemporary music. We've taken the pianos and the organs out of the church and we trade them for bands and... Amen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about in concerts. Yeah. Preachers have got doctorates now. they got to have doctorates and degrees. But they've learned so much, but they don't know yet how to dress right and talk right and walk right and pay their bills. Amen. Amen. And it's amazing that they just care. You know what? I see these preachers out half naked sometimes. And I say to myself, and I hear people come in and say, Hey, brother, pastor, how in the world are you doing? I just love you to death. And I thought... I'd love him better if you put him on some clothes. Amen. All right. We've come to the place that, you know, I said with this Wednesday night, doctors practice medicine. Wouldn't it be good if some of the preachers would practice godliness? Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. Now let's turn over to 1 Timothy. I'm going to give you a little bit of this tonight and we'll go home. This is a true saying if a man desire. He's got, matter of fact, uh, let me just run that word desire for a minute. I sat down beside a fella one day on a Saturday. He didn't like working Saturday. And he said to me, there's got to be something else better in life than sitting here in this mill. He said, I've been thinking about taking up preaching. He said, how do you become a preacher? I said, well, number one, God has to call you. At that time, I didn't think about it, but I should have said, first of all, you got to be saved. But I was a little young then, and I didn't get a hold of that. And he said, how do you know when you're called? I said, oh, you'll know. <laughs> Amen. If I didn't know I was called tonight, brother, I'll tell you right now, I'd run home as fast as I'd get. Amen. But God put a calling on me. And brother, God's callings are without repentance. He won't change his mind. I know some preachers so-called, they think God's changed their, that will change his mind because they preach a while and quit a while. Amen. And so what we're looking at tonight as we look at this, this guy had a desire. Now he had the wrong desire. If a man's going to be a preacher, he has to have a desire for the office of a bishop or a pastor. And he's got to have the right kind of desire. It took a while. God twisted my arm. He worked on me day and night. He worked on me whether mama and daddy even knowed anything about it. And they didn't as far as I know. He worked on me while I was sleeping, while I was working. And finally, I tried to make some bargains with him. And I said, when you teach me the word, I'll preach your word. And God didn't even accept that. I just thought he would. I read the word of God, didn't learn much more about it. I studied it for a while. And when I'd get through reading the word of God, I couldn't tell you any more about it than... Man of the moon, ain't no one there, don't reckon. Hear me. But when I surrendered, I found out that God meant business and God has begun to help me since. Amen. You don't bargain with God. You get in it. I didn't have a desire, but God put a desire. And tonight, God's put a desire in my heart. I have a desire to preach. Thank God for that. Amen. I have a desire to pastor. Thank God for that. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have the pastoring or preaching. I'd preach somewhere that's on, on a stump. I said that this morning. Hear me? Amen. I, can, I preach. I can't understand these. I hear these preachers say, I've been called to preach and I just don't get nowhere to preach. I just, what they're doing, they're looking for the First Baptist Church to call them in, I reckon. When I first preached, I preached on the street. I preached in the jailhouse. I preached in the, in the nursing homes. Yeah. And I preached in the churches that didn't have nobody hardly. And the pastor would get me come when they were sick. 
Amen. Most of my ministry started off with sick preachers. God went to fill in for them. Then God put me in the harness and put me in. And I have no intention tonight of getting out of it. Except dying out of it. Amen. Amen. I'm just dying to get out of the ministry. You hear me? And I don't have a real desire for that. But I'm saying, he is desireth a good work. So preaching's a good work. Is it not? Amen. It's a good work. Verse 2 said, a bishop then must be blameless. What's blameless? Means you can't lay anything to his charge. You can accuse him of a lot of things. But you can't lay nothing to his charge. You can blame him for having a crooked lip. But that's nothing to throw him out for. You can blame him because he's too blunt. You can blame him because he's too strong. You can blame him because he's too loud. You can blame him because he don't have a good, he don't have a good, what is that? Doctors, you call it a bedside manner, but preachers, I reckon it's uh, something else. It's uh, uh, a good uh, personality. Can you take your Bible and show me where a preacher is supposed to have a good personality? Can you, if you can, I want you to tell me what was the part of John the Baptist that was a good personality? Come in wearing a leather girdle. That must have been a smell good thing. He come in preaching, Oh, ye generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And I don't think he went up there and said, Oh, ye generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And the, the fellow over here is saying, What did he say? I think they know exactly what he said. Yeah. You understand? Said uh, he looked rude and crude. Coming in and eating grasshoppers and honey. Said he didn't have too good a diet. But was he blameless? Yeah. <laughs> amen you said I don't believe he's blameless the Lord said of all amen of all men he amen you remember what he said he said there's none like John the Baptist none like him now can you just see them Pharisees saying that mm. said that that idiot down there at the river That hard-headed rascal. Why? He don't look good, smell good, and act good. Boy, he's a, he's a tearing up jack. That's what I hear people say sometimes. He's a preaching. But the Bible said he came preaching. Doing exactly what God told him to do. Wasn't squirting rose water. He wasn't reaching in... That uh, camel tire and squirting rose water. He is preaching. 
And it said, a bishop then must be blameless. Secondly, the husband of one wife. That's why a woman can't preach. She can't be the husband. Of course, in this modern day, uh, the whole society just about it would argue with me. Because you can get up in the morning and be a man, and before you go to bed, you um, be a woman. Or you can get up in the being a woman in the morning, you can be a man for evening. But we both know that that ain't right, and won't work. God made you what you are. If you don't like it, take it up with Him. Whatever He made you, whether it's a man or a woman, you be the best man or woman you can be for God. Don't argue with him. Amen. Just because you don't like you, God liked to make, he made you like you are, and he liked you the way he made you. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to get into that anymore tonight. He said vigilant. That means watching with an open mind and listening. And that means he's not patting you on the back. Sometimes you're going to want something and it's impossible for the preacher to give it to you or do it for you. And sometimes you just have to swallow your pride and realize you're not going to get that. Sometimes he may see 15 demons in you at least demonic spirits around you trying to get you involved in something and he can sense that and spot it. And you're not going to get your way. Amen. He says sober. That means not drunk. That means clear thinking. Don't necessarily mean without alcohol. But it does mean that you're at right senses. Amen. Somebody said he's about lost his mind. I don't worry too much about that right now with my mind. We got one in the White House, ain't got no mind, and he's there. Look at his position. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Sober of good behavior. Somebody said sometimes our preacher don't. Have good behavior. Just think about sometimes how that you may provoke him. Amen. I've been pastoring 50 years. I want to tell you something. Sometimes church members provoke the man of God. Amen. I'm not the only one. Down through the years, it's done that. People have done it. Some little kids come running out one day to the man of God and said, Oh, ye bald head. And God got the she bears after him. Took them out of here. They may even made God mad. You better be careful about how what you say about the preacher. Now, if he ain't paying his bills, he's running around on his wife, or or he's shacking up with somebody, or he's committing adultery somewhere. Hey, you better put that down before God. You better do something about it. I had the church I pastored, the man was running with the church secretary. I've told this over and over and over. He was running with the church secretary, and they said, what we need to do is ask him to resign. And uh, they went to the chairman board of deacons, and he said, well, why? Why? He's preaching the word. So them boys is 
standing up preaching the word and then won't dress right when they go to town. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Pastors' wives do the same thing, lay out in, in the sun with nothing on. I see preachers and preachers' wives. If you go to Walmart, I've thought about a few times getting me some toe sack and sacking up a few of them. Except, preacher, you're awful tonight. Amen. Well, just change all that and I won't have nothing to preach about. That'll get me off this subject. Amen. You said, I'll just go out, I'll dress like I want to dress, I'll walk like I want to walk, I'll talk like I want to talk, I'll live like I want to live, and whatever you say ain't going to make no difference. I say, go ahead. What do you want me to do? Lord, bless them. Our Lord, bring them down on their back to where they can understand what I've preached. Lord, I pray you give the judgment of God on them. Or do you want me to say, now, Lord, bless their sin. I can't preach but one or two. I can't pray but one of them two ways. I can't say, Lord, turn your head and don't look at them anymore. I can't say, Lord, turn your head and pay like you uh, pay, pay like you don't even hadn't even seen it. I ain't never preached like this. I don't know why I'm doing it tonight, but I am. God's give me something. Look, He said, of good behavior given to hospitality, apt to teach, and I'm not going to spend time on those things. You can read it as good as I can. 17 different things that God said. Not given to wine. Somebody said, I think you can take a little wine for the stomach's sake. That's what he told Timothy. But I want to tell you something. Best thing to do is just leave it all alone, period. Amen. I've never tasted alcoholic beverage. Don't intend to. Come too far now. You think this is tough? I started to preach on the wives tonight. Bible wives. You better be glad I'm not on it. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. Amen. I've never been, I never asked a church, and I've ever pastored, what do you pay? I had a church to Elect me 100%. And they called me and said, Preacher, we elected you at our church tonight 100%. I said, wouldn't took it if you hadn't. And he said to me, he said, Do you want to know how much you're going to make? You want to know what we pay? I said, No, sir, I don't care. He said, You mean to tell me you're going to come up here and pastor our church and you don't even care what we pay? And I said, No, sir. He said, we pay $50 a week. I said, okay. They actually paid more than that. But he was just kidding me. And I said, I don't depend on churches to pay my bills. I lean on the Lord. And if God puts me somewhere, He'll take care of me. 
I took a church and they, what they paid me when I, it's the second church I took, and they paid me less than what my bills added up to. And the pastor up here at Hollywood Baptist Church, he's dead now, stood on my front porch and he said to me, I would not take that church for any less than $250. And that's back yonder. This is way back yonder. 48 years ago. And I said, why? He said, you just need to tell them that's what you're going to get. You wouldn't take any less than that. And I said, I'm not in it for the money. I went down there knowing that my bills was going to be more than what they were going to give me. Stayed there five years. Paid every bill I took with me. You said, how'd you do it? Same way I answered this boy over at McDonald's last week. We give out our literature. How do you do that? I said, God in heaven does it. There's one night I had a bill that had to be paid is already due and the next day it was going to be what we call past due and I don't like bills go past due. And it was $20. You know how much I had? Nothing. I was broke. Wouldn't be getting another check till. The church gave me a check at the weekend. I remember on a Wednesday, I laid across my bed. I can see it now. I remember it as well as yesterday. And I said, Lord, I got a bill. It's got to be paid. And it's got to be paid tomorrow. And you know, I don't like to let my bills go. And I took this in good standing. I took this church knowing it. I didn't have enough money. And I don't have a job anywhere. And I'm full time here. What are you going to do? I got up. Got ready. Went to church that night. Preached. Came home. When I went to church, I thought sure somebody in that building was going to come by and give me $20. I trusted God with that much. Said amen, shook all the hands, come out, went across the road to the parsonage and went in. And I laid across the bed, the foot of the bed. And I broke out in tears. And I said, God, what am I going to do? This has got to be paid in the morning. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to borrow it from a church member. I, it's too late for me to work tonight to work, try to work out something from somebody. And I'm, a ba- I'm bawling like a baby. Why should somebody's at the door? I went to the door, opened to the door, and there's a man that had been in the service that night. He said, Preacher, he said, I went home and said, I started to go to bed, 
and said, the Holy Ghost had already told me to give you this. And he said, I said to myself, I'll just wait till tomorrow or the weekend and I'll give it to him. He said, preacher, the Holy Ghost said, no, I want you to take it to him right now. He handed it to me and it's a $20 bill. And I started shouting, playing hopscotch in the bedroom, praising God and giving God the glory. Paid that bill the next day. I hadn't been there long. Them ladies in the church would go to J.C. Penny and buy me a new shirt. Buy me a new set of clothes or a suit. They started bringing food and they started bringing things. And one night, a lady and her daughter came to the door after church on Wednesday night and said, Preacher, we want your children. Well, hey, I'm a pretty good parent. I ain't about letting nobody have my youngins. She said, Preacher, we want to take them up here to the Dairy Queen and get them an ice cream. I'm having myself another spell. Only thing is, they didn't invite me. <laughs> but they took my two boys, my daughter wasn't born at that time, took them up there and got them an ice cream. I've been shouting off of that for years. Fellas, y'all remember that? Do you? You, Troy does? Dean does vaguely. You hear me? I went on a weekend trip to Andrews, North Carolina to preach on a Saturday afternoon. And they all took us up, me and my wife, and they carried us up to Andrews, North Carolina. I preached that afternoon. And I had to get back to church the next morning and they were going to come back in the morning. And that was going to keep me too long. And I said, I got to get back to my house. And a man in my church had just dropped in a little old Cessna airplane. Lord have mercy. He said, I'm going back tonight, this evening. You want to go back with me? I said, not really. But I got to go back. And he took me in a Cessna airplane and flew me back down toward Atlanta. Got over the Lanier Lake. Turned it up on its side and down there's the water. And I said, get this thing straightened up. I'm scared of heights. Took me back in to Atlanta and we landed. I went over there. I had my car in the driveway and it had slick tires on it when I left. Had it locked. I pulled up in there. Amen. When he took me home, he had to let, land the plane and then drive me home. And there was four brand new tires on that little old Plymouth. I was driving, and it locked and hadn't been moved. Amen. Things like that happened for the whole time I was there. Left there, all my bills are still, amen, uh, due, but they was being paid on time. I'm telling you, God knows that. And if, if these folks is trying to work out their money deals for the church, God help. Preacher gets up and said, 
Y'all got to buy me a new refrigerator. That and I've got's gone out. I've never asked nobody for a refrigerator. People have given me things, and I appreciate it. But I don't believe I ought to be a load on the church. You understand what I'm saying? And there's so many preachers that are. Filthy lucre. But patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house. If you, I've seen some of the preacher's kids be the meanest kids in town. I've had preachers and missionaries come over to my house, bringing their kids, and they tear my house all to pieces. Brother Brown, where you ever had that or not, but I have. I'd say, boy, I sure like to be their daddy for a little while. I don't even let mine do that. Amen, huh? Yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> you had a little old missionary kid at the church, and they come home that night, and the little old boy, my boys, you know, I kind of raised them to be a little mechanical-minded in some sense, and he took a spark plug out of the lawnmower, and he told that little old boy, he said, here, hold this wire right here, Let's see if this thing got any fire to it. And he pulled it. Going to execute the little boy. You understand what I'm saying tonight looking at this? All these things happen. Amen. Bought my little boy a knife. I, I, I always, you know, I don't carry a knife, but I was raised with one. I just quit carrying them. I mess up my pocket. And we just... Somewhere off and bought a little knife, a little, a little small knife. Give it to Dean. And, and I said, son, I'll catch you a cutting with it. And I'm going to take it away from you. Went along for a little while and I said, uh, where's your knife? He said, right here. I said, I need it. Borrow it. I was going to skin a wire or something. He gave it to me and opened it up. Had a big old notch cut out in the blade and it black. I said, what happened here? He said, stuck it in the socket. <laughs> I mean, my youngins ain't perfect. But I tried to make them right. And I believe the preachers ought to do that. I believe the preacher ought to make sure his kids, if he can't rule his kids in his house, how's he going to rule the house of God, right? That's what it said in verse 5. And then he said, not a novice. You know what a novice is? Somebody's young, don't know nothing about the Word of God. I guess most young preachers are novices. I didn't know nothing about that. When I started preaching, I was a novice. I missed that. I believe we, some of these preachers, I feel sorry for some of the churches. Got these little preachers don't know nothing. Well, not an office. Lift, let's see, it's lifted up in pride. He fall into condemnation of the devil. I won't preach on that. I'm through any past, past due for quitting. But I just wanted to share that with you tonight. We've got preachers in the pulpit today that don't qualify. I'm not saying that I qualify in every manner. But as God shows me something, I try my best to get it straightened out.
I would not want to bring reproach upon this sacred desk tonight. I would not want to bring reproach upon the Word of God. I would not want to bring reproach upon this church. And I count my job very, very important. Amen. Just wait till I get to preaching on the pew. You ought to count yours important. Amen. I didn't come up here to play tonight. I didn't come up here to be seen. Nor to be heard. But I hope I've been seen and heard. Alright. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're not going to have music. We're just going to bow our head.